Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. scripture tonight and just want to talk to you from my heart that's all right from my heart to yours amen the book of first peter chapter 4 and verse number 10 first peter chapter 4 verse number 10 the bible says as every man hath received the gift even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god amen I spoke two weeks ago on a Wednesday night about a heart for God. And this evening I want to talk about a heart for ministry. Amen. I believe that we must begin with a heart for God. We've got to seek after Him, have Him as the centerpiece of our life, but then it's where to from there. Amen. Let's talk about that. Lord, I love you today. And I ask you now in your sweet name to just let your presence that we have felt so powerfully and so unrestricted in our praise and worship, I ask you tonight, God, to let that same presence abide as we consider your word, its truth, the principles, the precepts, God, that certainly apply to all of our lives. I'm asking you to touch us now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, and you can be seated. Certainly, I believe that God has got to be the priority, the centerpiece of our lives, and everything else then will surround that. But I believe that once we have settled the fact that God is the centerpiece, God is the compass, then we must engage ourselves in ministry. I have preached this for all of these years, and I, if the Lord will continue to give me breath, I want to continue to say that. The book of 2 Corinthians 4 and 1, Paul says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. So I believe that every person in the kingdom of God is called to a ministry, not necessarily a pulpit ministry, and we'll talk about that. What we do in ministry, of course, would differ, just like what we do in life differs. But... That we do something is not an option. We must be engaged. And what I'm talking about tonight is not just for the young or the middle-aged or for the elderly. What I'm talking about is truly one size fits everyone. That we must be engaged in what God has called us to do. I believe that there are multiple gifts within the church. We'll talk about that as we move along tonight. But if we could lump them into two main categories. Certainly there would be speaking gifts in the church, but I believe there's also serving gifts, and I believe that they work and they work together. I believe they're equally important, as a matter of fact. You may see and hear one ministry more than a speaking ministry, obviously more than a serving ministry, but certainly a serving ministry is vital to the 
to uh, the ministry over all of the church being able to move forward. So certainly not everybody is a teacher or a preacher, but I believe that we all are called to be a witness. And so you may not feel that you have a speaking ministry, but that does not exclude you from the call to be a witness for what the Spirit and the presence of God has done in your life. And so I believe that certainly there are those that work in every church. Certainly this is not an exception. There are those that work behind the scenes. And it's those behind the scenes ministries that help make public ministries possible. Amen. This year, as you know, the state of Florida hosted uh, the general conference and uh, for the United Pentecostal Church International. And that was, for my wife and I, that was our first time being involved on that level, although we did work before in 2007 when we hosted it. But this year was a little bit different for obvious reasons. And it was just amazing to be able to look on the backside of a meeting like that and know we can see what's going on on the platform, but to know the host of people that are working behind the scenes to make what everybody else is seeing and experiencing possible. And so it is in the church. It's the same exact way. And so those behind the scenes ministry certainly, I, I, I believe, make what is before the scene are public ministries possible and it gives it greater significance. I believe that God gives us gifts and abilities and, and then he provides us opportunities to use those gifts. But in all things, God must be the one to get the glory, whether it's a serving ministry or whether it's a speaking ministry. So functioning in the spiritual community of the church, I believe that in the, pre, in the process of all that, the power of God has got to be manifested through our lives. No matter what we're doing, if what we're doing is seen and heard of men, so to speak, or if it's not seen and heard of men, it must all be the spirit of God ultimately being manifested in our lives. And for that to happen, then I believe that we function, we must function in a spiritual realm, realm by using the spiritual gifts that God has given to each and every one of us. I believe that spiritual gifts demonstrate the activity of God in our midst. It's, what, it's what's been happening right here. I'll talk about it in a little more detail as we move along, but it happens so subtly most of the time that we don't even realize that the gifts of the Spirit that, I've been, that I'm talking about has been in operation already. From the very moment this service began, gifts of ministry have been operating within the church. And so as we begin to live in the spiritual dimension that God has called us, then, then we will begin to experience the power and the presence of God in our lives in a completely different way because church is not a spectator sport. This is not where we come to be entertained or this is not where you're, you're the audience and someone else. I'm not the lecturer. You're not the student. We are here tonight as a family of God and we're all exercising the gifts that God has given each and every one of us. So I believe there's no doubt that in the early church, not only were the, the believers taught that they had been forgiven of their sins when they were baptized in his name, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but I believe that they also had been taught that they were gifted for service to the kingdom of God and to the work of God. And I believe that they, that, uh, they, they were taught that it's not that you just come in and sit and watch somebody else do it, but that you also put your hand to the processes that are taking place. But I believe like you and I, 
that we're responsible, that they and you and I are responsible for discovering those gifts. Whatever they may be, we're, we're responsible to not only discover them, but then to exercise those gifts. Our text this evening was 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The Apostle Paul also wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. And he said, that, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit, to profit with all. So whatever, God, whatever gifts that God has bestowed upon us, in whatever ways the Spirit of God may have manifested himself, it's all for the common benefit of the church. God has not given one person a gift so that they can be lifted up or exalted. Whatever gifts are in operation, it is for the edification and the uplifting of the whole body of Christ. I don't believe that God has given anybody any kind of gift for their own private advantage or for their exclusive profit. And so we are here tonight not to to uh, really just make this about any one person or any one ministry. We've all been gifted to benefit others. And, and, and in doing that, we bless ourselves. You, you may be a little bit hesitant to get up and run around about that, but we've all blessed ourselves by exercising the gifts that God has given us. So if we are gifted by God, then I believe that we are responsible to discover those gifts and then begin to use them. I believe the value of our lives as Christians is gonna be determined by what it is that God's given us and what we do with that. I wanna turn our attention to the book of Romans and uh, chapter 12, and we're gonna read a couple of verses here beginning with verse number six. The Bible says, having then gifts differing according to the, the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth, exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. And he that ruleth with diligence. And he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. In the New Testament, the word prophecy is often talking about the gift of exhorting or the gift of preaching or expounding on scripture. So sometimes we hear the word prophecy and we get a little skittish, a little standoffish about that. But in the New Testament, most often it's talking about what I'm doing right here tonight, just exhorting, teaching, expounding on scriptures. And I think Paul uses the term in that same sense and another way to put this is let every man who has a gift of preaching or interpreting scriptures do it in proportion to the grace and the light that he has received or that they have received from God. So if I could put this in church sleeve language, I think that we should never be presumptuous and try to give out more than God has given us. Amen. So let us do it in proportion to the grace and the light that we have received from God. I believe that ministry is a very important thing. It's a very critical thing. But I believe that we have got to understand that God gives us grace for what he has called us to do. 
That's why it's important for us to not do what God hasn't called us to do because he hasn't given us the grace for that. And so we have missionaries, for example. We sit back and think, oh, man, there's just no way I could leave my home and my country and my family and I could go in foreign soil and, and I could serve and sometimes even those that are serving in dangerous uh, areas. And we think, how in the world would we be able to do that? And you can't do that if God hasn't given you grace to do that. If he hasn't called you to do that, then we shouldn't be there doing that. We could put ourselves in more than just physical danger, but in spiritual danger as well. I believe that we should never indulge ourselves in or try to indulge ourselves in private interpretations of scripture. I think that we all have to start somewhere. But if we'll just start, if we'll just begin, then the Lord will help us grow. And so the first few times somebody teaches or the first few times somebody sings or the first few times somebody plays an instrument, there needs to be grace on the other side. I'm thankful for people that, I'm still thankful for people that tolerate me, but I'm sure thankful for, <laughs> I'm sure thankful for those that tolerated the early years of just trying to get your feet, but you have to start somewhere. And I'm thankful for a level playing field. But apostolic ministry depends on spiritual gifts because we're not just going through the motions tonight. We're not just talking about church. We're talking about apostolic ministry. So spiritual gifts are the, are, are the essence of our ability to not only serve God, but the, the ability to serve others. Spiritual gifts are, are not talents, and they're not um, just natural abilities. I want to try to draw a line in between these for just a moment, because often people think they're one and the same. I think it's true that our natural talents and abilities are given to us by God. I think people that are, are artistic um, in nature, maybe a painter, somebody that can, can draw beautiful pictures or, or portraits or whatever it may be. I believe that is a gift from God. But I believe that, our, uh, that talents that, that are, not in, not, are not spiritual in nature are also in possession of people that are not spiritual, people that are not believers. So somebody can have a gift of God and not even be a believer. Amen. So our natural gifts and natural talents and abilities are not just one and the same of what God is trying to use us. It doesn't necessarily mean that when a person even possesses a certain kind of natural gift and then maybe they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it doesn't necessarily mean that God will use them in that same area. A person may have a natural talent for teaching. Let me just use this as an example but not possess the spiritual gift of teaching. And so maybe if they were asked to teach a Sunday school class, they may be able, just because of their natural giftings, be able to share and impart information. Maybe they could take the knowledge of the subject matter of the class, but that teaching would lack the spiritual essence, and that in the, in the absence of that spiritual essence, it would not fully benefit the students as God would have it to be. Does that make sense? You mean somebody, uh, somebody could have that natural ability, but if they don't have the spiritual ability to go along with that. So a spiritual, gift, a spiritual gift ministers on the level of the spirit. And so technical excellence 
does not equal spiritual power. They're not the same. Somebody may have technically the ability to do it, but not spiritually the ability to do it, and there would be something lacking. We've all heard excellent singers that left us completely unmoved. But they were right on pitch, right on time. Everything was just right, but they didn't move us. And then we've heard people that weren't quite to that level of excellence, but that was their calling. And they could just begin to sing and just the power of God fill the room because they, were, they had a spiritual gift, a spiritual gift to sing. And so, uh, so in the absence of that spiritual gift, it's just a technical process and it will not change the heart of an individual. And so we need both of them. And there are times, there are times when technical excellence is married to spiritual power and that's a wonderful thing. I've heard men and women that are just truly gifted speakers and they are also anointed of God. And oh my, what a wonderful combination that is. But they are not synonymous. And so when we think about the list of spiritual gifts that are found in scripture, one is found in Romans 12 that we just looked at. Another is found in 1 Corinthians 12. And then yet another list is given to us in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And in these various lists, I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but I, I do want to refer to the gifts that are mentioned in these three passages of scripture. And there's a wide variety, a wide variety of things that the writers give us. They talk about the gift of prophecy and service and teaching and exhortation, giving and leading and mercy. And then the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and faith and healing and miracles, the discerning of spirits, the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation of tongues. And then we read in Ephesians about the gift of helps and administration and apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And so we see this wide variety, a long list, but a wide variety of callings. And so a, a person's passion and temperament, I believe, will, will impact that gift that God is trying to use them in. Their, their own passion and their own temperament is going to impact how God can use them in those areas. For instance, a person with the gift of teaching may have a passion for children. And so if you put that person in an adult situation, that may be the wrong move. They have a great gift of teaching, but their passion is for children. And so you need to combine those two. If you put them to teach adults, that could be a train wreck waiting to happen because they're out of their, of their comfort zone. There's a great variety of spiritual gifts and, and, how these gifts are, and how these gifts are used. But I believe that God is in charge and that he determines the gift or the gifts, plural, that we may have. And then he, often, then he also determines how those gifts are mixed together within the local church. I'm thankful that we're not all called to do the same thing. What a boring life that would be if we were all here competing to do the same thing. But he gives us different gifts and then he encourages our unity by creating then this inner dependence upon the church. We are interdependent upon one another. And so the singers, people that have a gift of singing are dependent upon the people that have the gift of music. 
to be able to play that song so they can sing that song. And so we all are now become woven together, interdependent to one another, a multi-member body where each member needs the other one. I'm thankful that there are those within the church that have the gift of teaching. I really am. I have uh, access to several, well, there's so much online, we all have access to many things, but, but I've been watching a teaching series for the last several weeks, and that's my morning devotion, and, I, and I've just enjoy people that have the gift of teaching. And so no matter how many times you've heard a scripture or a subject taught on, it's always interesting how God takes another vessel, the same passage of scripture, but it's a different calling. It's a different voice. It's a different personality and how God can reveal to them just another layer, another dimension of that same truth. And so I'm thankful for those within the church that have the gift of just teaching. I'm thankful for the gift of, of people in the church that know how to encourage people. Amen. Aren't you thankful for <laughs> encouragers? Amen. I'm thankful for the gift of exhortation. But I'm also thankful for the gift of mercy. Amen. And, and mercy is a gift. It's, it's a listed gift. And, and sometimes we've been beaten up all week and, and we come to church and we got a black eye and a bloody nose. The, the, the world and life has just had its way. And then we come to the house of God. I'm thankful that we, we just run headlong into the gift of mercy. People that are compassionate and love and, and, and to see somebody that has that gift. When you're confused and you don't know what to do and, 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 and life or some circumstances just demanding some action on our part, aren't you glad that there are people within the church that have the gift of the word of wisdom? People that just know how to allow God to use them. They don't have to have a microphone in their hand. They don't need the rapt attention of, of an audience, but they have the, a gift of the word of wisdom. Amen. And, and, we, and when we're in dire straits, we need somebody with that gift of a word of wisdom and not somebody else with just another stale opinion. Because there are a lot of opinions. You can find those on every street corner. But what we need in our lives is somebody with a word of wisdom, something that God can use them to speak a word in time and in season because we need to hear from God. I mean, when we're confused, we need that direction. We need not somebody to just tell us what they think we ought to do. We need a word from God. And so goes this powerful interdependent church that God has designed, one member dependent on another member. We need one another and we need to discover the gifts because others need us. Somebody needs the gift that you have. They need that gift. And so we need to discover that gift because others need it. And so that brings us to the question, then how do we discover? How do we discover what God has called us to do or where the Lord would like to use us. I believe that uh, it's a fairly simple process. I don't want to oversimplify it, but I, I do believe it's not as complicated as we make it. I believe that we have to examine the context in which we discover our gifts and then, and then somehow begin to put them to use. I have always been a fan of the shallow end of the pool. That's a wonderful place to start. <laughs> um many, many years ago, I was just a small boy and I was over at my cousin's house and across the field from their home in an orange grove was a big lake 
And so we walked down to the lake and he said, do you know how to swim? And I said, no. He said, well, I'm going to teach you. And he picked me up and threw me in the lake. And, uh, you know, somehow, obviously I made it and we laughed about that and we've laughed about it through the years, but that was a very dangerous thing. Two young kids, our parents probably didn't really even know where, where we were in hindsight. And so just whimsically, he thought the best way to figure out how to do this is just throw you in the deep end and we'll just see how you make it. And um, thank God for his grace. And I'm here, I'm here tonight, but that's not the best way to start. Not the best way. I believe that our individual ministry develops its best in the shallow end of the pool. I believe that sometimes teaching a Sunday school class or maybe teaching in a nursing home or an assisted living facility, etc., a shallow end of the pool. Several years ago, we began to reach out in prisons and nursing home and assisted living facility in ministry. And certainly the emphasis of that was outreach and uh, to, to, as we have said many, many times, those that can't come to us, we're going to go to them and take, they can't get here to come to hear the gospel, so we're going to take the gospel to them. And, and so um, the emphasis of the, all of those ministries was uh, to bless others. It was to bless people that were less fortunate, maybe uh, certainly those that were hampered for whatever reason, not able to come. But I saw something happening as we begin to do this year after year, and it would fall into the category of what I would say the law of unintended consequences. As a pastor, I saw something developing in the heart and the lives of those that were involved in these ministries, those that were serving. And then, more specifically, in those that were doing teaching and preaching roles in those ministries, in those outreach and outside ministries, I began to see how that was transforming their ministries as they came here to minister. Because they were learning how to preach and teach against all odds and in some very awkward circumstances. And I'll just say this very confidently, I don't mean to sound pompous, I don't mean it that way at all, but I'll say something very confidently about the ministers at our church, you probably can't throw them a ball they won't at least swing at because they have had to minister in some very awkward situations and circumstances. So they don't need the climate to be just right in order for them to minister because they've ministered many, many years in climates that are not just right. But they continue to press on and continue to press forward. And so we, Hatchman Apostolic Church, became blessed because we were blessing somewhere else and sowing and ministering somewhere else. And so those gifts came home to us. And so it didn't necessarily mean that the people that we were ministering to on Sunday or whatever day it were, it would happen to be that we were there. It, if we were there on Sunday, it didn't mean that they were necessarily, we were going to be blessed because some convert was going to be on our front pew the next week or the next week or the next month. But we were blessed in a different way. We were blessed because people were exercising a calling in their life and they were doing it in a safe place, in a safe environment where they felt greatly appreciated and they were. And so in essence, everybody was winning. In the book of Acts chapter two and verse 46, the Bible says, and they, talking about the disciples, continued daily with one accord in the temple 
and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meal with gladness and singleness of heart. That was the pattern of the early church. It was the shallow end of the pool. The church met not only in the temple, but they also met from house to house. And so the large meetings, so to speak, were for celebration, times of celebration. They were for times of worship, and they were certainly for times of instruction. But when they met house to house, the small meetings in homes were for fellowship, and they were for encouragement and for support and prayer. It was for hands-on care, for somebody to be able to be there and uh, to be able to minister to them. And so the dual nature of church meetings proved to be the balance that was needed for the early church the balance that was needed to grow, the balance that was needed to be cared for, and the balance that was needed to mobilize ministry. And I believe the same thing is desperately needed in this very hour that we're living in. What better place than a small setting or a small group to discover your gifts and then begin to minister to others? Sometimes in that small environment, I will tell you that in a small environment, that can be so much less threatening because people can be pretty frightening. Amen. It can be very very intimidating when according to your notes, right there, people are going to be running and dancing and shouting. But you look up and they're not doing that. (laughs) And so it can seem very threatening. It can seem very off-putting. But it's a place to test the waters. And I believe testing the waters is a must. Because it may help us discover something about ourselves. This model, I think, is essential to discovering and then not only discovering, but then developing those gift-oriented ministries. I believe that our natural abilities will instruct us. I really believe that. And I believe that our natural abilities will help us find and develop spiritual gifts for ministry. You, to be, I, I think you can begin the process of ministry that's going to have a measure of desire. I don't really believe that God is just going to call you to do something you detest. I think it's going to start with a a desire. It may not be a burning passion, but it may just be a small unction in your spirit. Maybe you've watched somebody do something, and you you don't have to amen this. I just want you to try to find yourself here. But maybe you've watched somebody do something, and then somehow picture yourself doing that. Not to try to be someone else or to better someone else, but there was just something about watching somebody doing something and you can picture yourself doing that. Many times God works just that way. It's a misconception to think that following the Lord means that that God is going to lead you to do something that you don't want to do. That's a very strong misconception. I believe that often God creates a desire in our heart first. Amen. I know you... Remember me, or I've heard me at least tell this if you don't remember it, but a few years ago we were, um, I'm sorry I forgot the name of the test, we were doing like an evaluation of spiritual gifts and callings and and, um, I was joking and uh, it wasn't a joke really but I was teasing with uh, Jeremy afterwards but Jeremy Bird, uh, the the emphasis of the test is just to answer the question with the first thing that comes to your mind. and so I was in the youth group, and we were given the test, and, and everybody was through with the test, and Jeremy is just over there agonizing over every answer. And I kept saying, Jeremy, just don't worry about it. Just whatever comes to your mind, just fill out, just fill out. And, and in doing that, you're going to find your, your gift, and you're going to find your calling. And, 
And, and I, you know, you guys know Jeremy. And I mean, Jeremy was agonizing. I'm not abusing that word when I tell you he was agonizing over this. And, and so I said, Jeremy, what's up? He said, I'm just trying to figure out how to stay in America. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to somehow discover I've been called to go to Africa. Or I've been called to go to, I've been going across. I'm trying to figure out how to stay in America. So Jeremy was trying to answer these questions. Specifically, what the what Jeremy wanted to find out that he was called to be right here, Hatchman Apostolic Church. That's what he was trying to figure out how to do. And in his young, youthful innocence, we can find ourselves, can't we? We want to be used of God, but we don't want the Lord to call us to do something we don't want to do. So I want you to relax. Just take a deep breath. Because before the Lord ever calls you to do anything, he's going to first put a small flame of desire in your heart. Amen. But when he does that, then you need a safe place to experiment and develop that call. That's why it's important to be engaged and involved in the church. Not a peripheral member. Not blowing in, blowing out. It's, it's so important to be an engaged and involved member of the church because these environments can be a safe place to grow. It can be a safe place to test the waters because as you do and you begin to watch what happens, you can look for improvement and development as you would just develop anything naturally. I can remember um, one of the very first secular job I ever had besides working around on a farm and things, but working in a grocery store and, and I was eventually made it to working on the stock crew at night, stocking groceries. And, man, some of those people were just lightning fast. I mean, they're just goofing off and playing and taking breaks. And, and they're done way before everybody else. And I just was, I couldn't understand. I just couldn't get it. And I wanted to be fast. And I remember the manager saying, you don't need to be wor worried about doing fast. Speed will come naturally. You worry about being good. Worry about being good. Worry about being accurate. And the speed, what you're looking for, that'll come in time. But you just you need to get at the root, the base element of this. You need to get in, in, in your heart and in your mind. And that was great advice, not just for stock and groceries. That was a great advice for many other things in life. Just worry about getting it right and being good. Everything else will fall in place. It'll take care of itself and, uh, you know, in sometimes discovering and trying to figure out some of this, you might realize that you made a mistake, but that's all right. Amen. How would you have known if you didn't test the water a little bit? And if you do that in the shallow end of the pool, nobody drowned in the process. Nobody got hurt. No harm, no foul. You're in the family of God that loves you. And so let's just say, uh, just as an example, somebody felt a call to ministry and and uh, so, well, well, let's just, let's try this. And, and, and they were given that and, and they realized in that moment that this is not what God called them to do. Well, we're not going to lock the doors of the church and we're not going to ban them from the house of God. They were able to come in and try to test the water, dip their feet in it. It worked or it didn't work. We didn't ostracize them. It was a safe environment and they went on to discover something else about that. I, I believe that as, as, we do these things in, in the house of God, in the family of God, this interdependent family of God, amen, we begin to see the safety of finding where God can use us. I think that it's something also important to understand that others many times recognize the gift that's in you. 
Others recognize that. As you begin to function in spiritual gifts, others are going to affirm what they see in you. Now, I think it's entirely possible that other people see the calling up on our lives long before we do, or many times before we do, but we need to be careful. I want to insert this very quickly before that thought has time to marinate. You need to be very careful whose voice you're listening to because some people will call you to do something that you're not qualified to do. So that's not what I'm talking about. But other people will just begin to recognize the gift. I'm not saying that they're going to fan that flame and push you into something because some people will push you to your demise. And so you've got to be very, very careful who, whose voice you listen to. But I believe that this can best be brought out and it can best play out in this small setting. You see, not everyone is called to lead or minister in a Sunday service or a Wednesday service. That may be way too threatening. It may be way too frightening. There's also uh, more opportunities for you to use and exercise your gift in a small setting. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, and, and as they do, I want to continue uh, to just maybe wrap this up tonight. In, in a larger corporate service, as we see tonight, and I don't want these people to feel put on display here, but... In a larger corporate services, there's a limited number of gifts that are visibly being used. We're going to have somebody to lead the service, our praise and worship team, somebody to lead us in prayer, somebody to teach the word or preach the word. So those are just a few gifts that are on display, so to speak, visibly, audibly, available for us but there may be a way to use a lot more gifts in a smaller setting and an opportunity for far more people to be involved and so for instance if everybody tonight just wanted to share some simple thought that was on your heart and so we just started passing the microphone around on a Wednesday or a Sunday we may be here half the day so that would not be the most opportune time for somebody to exercise their gift because about the time you get to person number 30 nobody's listening because we're all trying to figure out how to get out of this pool right it's all right to, it's all right to keep it real but in a smaller setting everybody can exercise whatever God has called them to do of course, one of the many reasons we started our Connect Group ministry was for the very thing that I'm talking about tonight. I realize that some of our Connect Groups vary by content, but some of them give opportunities for exhortation and encouraging one another and strengthening one another. Certainly all of them involve fellowship and being together, and there is so much strength that comes to us from that. But we have small groups that meet in homes for home Bible studies and small groups that, that have... A prayer and prayer teams and discipleship and things of that nature. Ministry teams, like I mentioned a moment ago, that go outside of our, the walls of our church. Specific areas of ministry with a specific focus. And so whether it's a group that meets in a home or a group that meets in a church facilities or whether it's groups that meet outside of the church, no matter what that may be, there will be a time for the word, a time for sharing real needs, a time for prayer, a time for ministering to one another. And in this way, we are pointed not only toward God, but we're pointed toward one another. The Spirit of God touching every heart and everyone being able to exercise what God has called them to do. And so I want to encourage you 
I know that we do our, our connect groups in semesters, but I want to encourage you as we come up after the first of the year and begin our connect groups again to be a part of that, to be involved in that, and not just to sign up and then let that play out, but to be a, a, an active part of that because you have something to offer. And your very presence being there, even if you're not leading that group or if you're not leading that particular night of that group or that day of that group, you're there for a purpose and you're there for a reason and that purpose is to encourage those around you. And I believe that your spiritual growth depends on that. I believe that your overall gift of ministry depends on that. I believe that your spiritual health depends on that. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand and I'll summarize what we've talked about here tonight. We've talked about two characteristics. One of those being gift-oriented ministries and the other of that being small settings or small groups, connect groups. And as you minister based on your spiritual gifts, you're going to be able to find out the, and your ability to give without giving out. Amen. In a safe place to be able to minister to others. Ministry is, <clears throat> I know that's a very broad, broad term, but ministry has such an is such an incredible two-edged sword. I'm not alone in this, but I've driven to hospitals and walked in hospital rooms to encourage somebody that was struggling with their health or maybe some sort of crisis in their life. And before it was over with, they had blessed me. We've gone to nursing homes, assisted living facilities, jails and prisons to help those that we feel less fortunate. And before we leave, realize that we were the recipient of the blessing. I felt that I had received more than I had given. Am I right, Brother Jerry? So many times in those settings that something just comes flowing back to you. It's an amazing thing. And it's, so it's the trick of the enemy to say you're too exhausted, you got too much going on in your life, or you're too stressed out to try to help somebody else. When you do that, the enemy has your own handcuffs on you. But when you say, you know what, regardless of how tight my schedule is, regardless of everything else I've got going on, I want to engage myself in this. And we find ourselves as we minister to others, the Spirit of God puts something back. And we can find a place of safety and a place of health, a place where we can find love and encouragement and in a place that we can develop. Amen. I realize this evening that we haven't ran the aisles and this hasn't been a revival message, but this has been an important message. Not because I'm the speaker, but because I'm in the book. And so we can't just develop a heart for God. We've got to say, Lord, now that you're the center of my life, I want you to help me find where I'm supposed to be serving because I want to answer the question, yes. You are supposed to be serving. You're supposed to be doing something. And whatever you do, if it's done in the, behind the scenes, in the shadows, that is just as critical, just as vital. Amen. As somebody that's 
operating publicly. Tonight, I have no idea. Don't raise your hand. I have no idea who unlocked this building and who turned on the lights. They were just on when I got here. But I knew I didn't have to. I got a good idea. But I knew I didn't have to worry about that. The air conditioner was on. That was on when we got here, wasn't it? See, somebody was working on the other side while others were working on this other side. And when we all got here, the lights were on, the air was on, and the sermon, regardless of where you graded on a scale of 1 to 10, was already prepared. You didn't have to think about it. I just ask you to turn in your Bibles with me. We'd all been working together, interdependent. We didn't have to wonder who was singing. These people just, they were at church time. They were already on the platform. They already knew what song they were going to sing. And believe it or not, they knew what key they were going to sing in. Yes. We didn't have to worry about any of that. And we were able to enjoy all this because somebody said long before 730. Somebody's been thinking about it. Amen. Aren't you thankful that somebody has a heart for ministry? Praise God. Let's magnify his name. Lord, I love you today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.